This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Well, how you doing here? It is Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you for another edition of One Bills Live. As the countdown is on for the NFL draft and we continue counting down the days, it's almost getting to a point now where it's like, can we just get there already? I know. I wonder how the guys in the personnel office upstairs are (laughs) doing. You know, they're going through their mocks now. Like everybody takes a team and Brandon puts them through the mock draft exercises, trades are allowed, all that stuff, and they kind of see how the thing would unfold, which, as we've said on this show, is much more difficult when you're trying to predict what's going to still be there at pick 27 than if you're picking 11th. Right. You know what I mean? But those are the exercises that are taking place now uh, upstairs in this building where we sit. And I'm just ready to get there already. Like, let's just get to draft night. We've been yimming and yammering about this for weeks on end. And it's just like, come on already. So we got all this. Yeah, right. So you and I sit here. we're, We're bantering about, like, we're talking about Josh Downs and Trenton Smith and Walker, Parker Washington, Jaden Reed, Jalen... None of you people out there should know who these people are. If you know who any of these <laughs> prospects are, you're it's more than just you're more than just a fan. It may be your hobby or whatever, and I get that. That's fine, but you shouldn't know these guys. Well, and there's a lot of them. And Brownie and I are bantering back and forth about these guys, like you know, they're like classmates in school. Yeah, right. So I'm like, would you pick man, them first like, on your team in the schoolyard at recess? <laughs> <would you>? Right. <laughs> It's we're we're such goners, but you know you do you like all right, look. so you go in there and you just you put in there and you put in Jalen Hyatt highlights, and sh- you know sure enough in this day and age it's like presto changeo. I know that, and I'm just gonna say this: when I used to have to get ready for the draft in like '96, right '97, right '98, that ain't there. You had to work yeah. to get information and. Getting highlight reels or anything? Forget yeah, it. Forget you it. You didn't have a, a chance. I'm so, yeah. I am so, now I'm you're, so you're, done with this stuff. And you were large, <laughs> and back then you were largely beholden to what the draft guide said because they had seen all those guys. Sure. You didn't, and you didn't have a means by which to at least study you film. You couldn't even tape. disagree with them. Like, there's no YouTube. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you didn't have any of that. Yeah. And so you really had to kind of read up more than anything else. Now you can use your own eyeballs right, and make a judgment as well. You can use your own eyeballs to decide it's not worth the effort. Well, or to decide, <laughs> to decide if the guy you're reading knows what the hell he's talking about. Right. And much more dissent nowadays because everybody's, you know, everybody's got their own opinion and, and, and everybody has access. And most of us are complete amateurs at it. And you just look and say, yeah, okay. I like that. And I say, well, why didn't he do this? You know, all that. Not knowing anything about what he's asked to do or all the ins and outs. Oh, yeah, of especially it's, with it's linemen and stuff. Yeah. It's the most complicated pro sport out there. And that's a fact. You and you got it. So your opinions may be ridiculous for reasons you have no idea about. So, but you got to watch, right? You got to say, okay, what? Because so, you hear somebody say, hey, this guy, this guy's going to be great. He's a sleeper. Okay, let me look at him. You're a fool. There's no way this guy's even going to get drafted. <laughs> Not even drafted. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just go, uh, Brown. So Brownie and I are sitting there today. We're in we're in the midst of it today, and we're just like done with it. Uh, yeah, we're not done with it, obviously. But we're also having we're an interesting exercise 
not unlike Aaron Rodgers, uh, who willingly went into the dark for four days. They're trying to fix an electrical issue in our building, in our building, not far from our office. And look, I'm look, I, I don't know the first thing about being an electrician. It can't be always an easy job when you're trying to troubleshoot something like that. So I'm not poking fun. It's just the, the lights issue. in our office have been going on and off for a week, for about four days. The, <laughs> and, I, I mean, fortunately, we have desk lamps, and they must be on a different circuit because they're working, right. and our televisions our TVs are, working, are working, and the power to our laptops. The laptops are working. are working. The desk lamps it's are just working. Just our lights, but the lights are going off and on every five or ten <laughs> minutes, and they've been doing it for. A, they were off completely for like two days. It's to the point now where just for a joke, I feel like walking in one day with like one of those spelunking lamps. <laughs> right, headlamp. On my head. <laughs> I don't think they take too kindly. To right. That, though. I walk, Obviously, this issue with the lights goes a little deeper than they well, thought. Well, it's not just our office. It's, it's, it's widespread. Right. It's, and it's going to the grounds crew and everything else. So it, it's a, I don't want, I don't know if it's major or not, but it's, it's not an easy one to figure out. Apparently. So, I mean, we have desk lamps we can manage, but it's just funny because they're going on and off every so often. And now it's just to a point where Steve and I just look at each other and like, it happened again. Yeah. Because <laughs> when it came on today, I thought, okay. Because, you know, you always get this, you always project your own timeline on whoever's working. Like, you know when it should be done, yeah. having no idea. So you're thinking they, they popped on this. They were off all day yesterday. All day. And so they come in this morning and hey, the lights are on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. They got her fixed. And then, yeah, it goes out. They're like, oh, (laughs) not so much. (laughs) Should have that. I thought that would be fixed. Well, it's it's minor. It's not. I mean, like I said, we got desk lamps. So it's a first world problem, no question. We have we have excellent mood lighting now in the in the office. Yeah, and that everything else is working. It's just the lights. The televisions are working. The outlets are working. They're on a different. It's on, clearly on a different circuit. Yeah, clearly, but still, hopefully they, because um, it started in the grounds crew office. That's where everything began. But what what they're messing around with obviously impacts other areas of the field house where our offices are. So they'll get it squared away. I'm not worried about it. But uh, we have to get Steve to NFL news and notes, and there is AFC East stuff to discuss. Chiefly, Steve, with the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. According to an Albert Breer report that appeared in his mailbag, the Jets are interested in making a trade work for DeAndre Hopkins. This is supposedly an all-in move to surround anticipated incoming quarterback Aaron Rodgers with as much talent as possible. Um, The way it reads to me, this is more of a shot-in-the-dark possibility, and people are trying to connect dots because after Odell Beckham Jr. elected to sign with Baltimore, now this has become more of a possibility for the Jets. Now, I don't understand how that's possible. Steve, i got to say, as I've gotten older, I've taken a much more discerning eye to reports like this. I'm not trying to dismiss it out of hand and just say, ah! Not happening. But here we know this. The Jets balked 
at Beckham's agent when he took the $15 million offer from the Ravens and said, do you want to beat it, Jets? Right. And the Jets are like, yeah, we're good. Uh, not dropping 15 mil on, a on Beckham for one year. So, I mean, I'm sure people have looked at the books. Hopkins is up for $19 million base this year, 15 next year. And I know he said he would be willing to negotiate his contract to facilitate a trade back when all this came down last month. But here's the other problem. The Jets right now, Steve, are $9.8 million under the cap. And they haven't acquired Rodgers in his salary yet. Right. How the hell are you making all that work? Yeah, you can't. And D- and they said, uh, you know, OBJ, hey, you're not going to give a guy 15 million bucks guaranteed after an injury, after an injury history like he's had. D Hop's played 19 games over the last two years. He's been nicked up as well, and he's pushing. He's 30, as both guys are. So neither one of those guys is completely healthy or has been completely healthy. Plus, D Hop's had suspensions for PEDs. There's all of that going on as well. So it's not like one is more attractive for any reason than the other. They're both big numbers, and they're both injury have injury concerns. So if all of that's equal in my mind. Yeah, but not to mention, I mean, the only way you're making this work is if you're shipping out fat salaries to the Cardinals in a trade. The money doesn't work either way. you you got to move money out if you're moving that in. Yeah, and I get it. Now, D-Hop is as tasty a commodity as there is on the open market right now. I say the open market. He's up for trade. But the, I mean, the Jets really couldn't give up any draft capital to the Arizona Cardinals for D Hop because they might need that draft capital to close the deal for Aaron Rodgers. The reason they're trading for D Hop, right? I mean, they only got so many draft picks to pick to choose from. They got to send players who cost money to Arizona, right? If they're going to make it work, it's got to be dollars out for dollars in, to some degree. Maybe not a, a wash, but. To some degree, you've got to eat into that by sending money out of off the books right. to bring his money on. Because, uh, okay, maybe he takes, even if he takes a $5 million haircut, he's right where Beckham was at $15 million for this year. He's making nineteen right. and a half this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got some guys, the Jets have some guys on their roster they could move money around. C.J. Mosley, Carl Lawson. I mean, Dwayne Brown, sure, Corey Davis. I, I guess. They could move some money around, but that's a, that's a lot of money they're going to have to move around. That, those guys would just maybe cover Aaron Rodgers, let alone DeAndre. Yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know how this is all going to work. I mean, they're 9.8 under. They've got extra draft picks this year, which may disappear with the Rodgers deal. But you've got to sign a draft class. Right. You know, you're picking right in the middle of the round there, like 13th. So, <laughs> I, look – I'm not a salary cap expert, but that's looking like an awfully steep hill to climb. And then throwing D hop on top of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I got all the respect in the world for Albert Breer as a reporter, but it's hard not to think it's more like spitballing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't it, know how you make uh, that work. Uh, I don't know if they're doing, I'm, they may be posturing. So it gets out in the, the, or maybe the Cardinals are floating this out there saying, oh, right. the Jets are interested, AFC East, so you may want to get in on this. Right, right, right. Maybe that's maybe they're trying to put the, you know, put the Spurs to the Bills even. You that's know? what I mean. Like, uh, the Bills have expressed interest, and, and yeah, and they've got the, the quarterback already in-house. So, I, yeah, I don't know that 
any of it adds up, well, because it doesn't add up, you wonder what the motivation is and where it came yeah. from. So I'm. I would suspect Arizona, but this doesn't seem to have very many because, legs. Because, but it's but it's a real thing. It's out there. So, yeah. and Arizona's, you know, and let's not forget this. Albert Breer just last week floated it out there that the Cardinals may just outright release Hopkins if they can't get a trade done. Right. So it's like, well, which side of the fence are you on here? Yeah. You know, one week he's getting released. The other week the Jets are going to swing a trade all of a sudden now, six days later. Like, what the heck is like, – it's hard, it's hard to put a lot of stock in that report, I guess, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's hard for me to go along with it and all that it entails. That, that's the tough part for me. The other part concerning the Jets is the Aaron Rodgers deal, which has yet to be consummated. And Adam Schefter from ESPN is reporting that the two teams have not been in communication about this potential deal for weeks. He said, quote, both sides now appear to be dug in. My understanding yeah. is there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation of any over the last couple of weeks, but the two sides apparently aren't willing to budge on where they currently sit in the trade demands. Right. Now, people would think that the draft would be some sort of way station for something getting done. Because if you're going to trade for mm -hmm. him, you want draft capital, and you want to be able to use it as fast as you can. You want to support your guy. Now, Jordan Love doesn't Jordan have anybody Love, to throw to right. right now except the two rookies they drafted last year, Christian Watson and Romeo Dowds. Right. So Lazard's you, gone. The so tight there's a gone. perceived deadline there that something's got to happen. Not really. Uh, there's both sides of the story. The Green Bay Packers, they don't have to do anything until September. That then something does have to happen because they're on the hook for $58 million. bucks. They can, they're going to, they're, they got to make that happen. I wonder. Uh, the Jets, however, they can kind of sit tight because the offense that they're running in New York is the same offense Aaron Rodgers runs, and they can rely on his 16-year career to, like, say, hey, get up to speed pretty fast. Pick it up in four days. So um, they're not in any hurry. So this draft date may come and go without anything happening between the Jets and Green Bay. But something is going to definitely have to happen now. Let Let's, Go ahead. I, I'm wondering, I want to get your thoughts on this. If you're Joe Douglas and you want to wait, I mean, it would almost behoove you to wait past the draft before making the deal official yeah, because, you get the draft picks. because your draft pick right now is 13th in the round. Round one, round two, et cetera. If you push this trade past the draft, now the draft capital you offer is in 2024. And with Aaron Rodgers on your roster, logic would say your pick is not going to be as good in 2024 because you're going to be a better team. With Rodgers, more wins, and you'll be picking even lower mm -hmm. in the draft than you are now. So if you're Joe Douglas, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm not under any pressure to get this deal done because if I don't get it done by the draft – I can use all the draft picks I have to make my roster better around Aaron Rodgers and then worry about giving up picks next year and probably worse picks in the process. There is one thing I can think of that may that is not an issue now or doesn't seem to be an issue now that could be if the closer September gets is that the Jets wait. They're not going to they're not going to succumb to the demands. The draft comes and goes. 
all these teams start to settle in, something happens or something doesn't happen on the way there, and some other team gets involved. They're saying, listen, if they're not interested in Aaron Rodgers, how about this? You know, we we didn't like the way our, mm-hmm. we're not that kind of, you know, how about us throwing this in and this in? Can you can you make that happen? And, and Green Bay says, yeah. And then even though Aaron Rodgers kicks and screams, they don't care. Well, we heard that report last week. With San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. supposedly kicking the tires. I don't yeah. know if they've made an offer, but. Think about it. They called. Because if you wait, if you're the Jets and you wait, and some of these other teams start to go like, I don't know, man. We, I don't know if we're ready. Let's, what's it cost for him? And that's next year's draft in 2024 draft? Well, let's yeah. do it. Let's, make the, let's pull the trigger. Right. And then the Jets are holding the bag. So you've got two sides that are dug in here. And each of them obviously feel they have some measure of leverage. Because if they didn't, they would have made the deal already. Like, they still think that I can get what I want here, so I can wait. Right. And I don't have to worry. I'm trying to think, what is that one underlying, determining aspect of this whole thing that convinces the Jets, we can wait, buddy. It's going to get done. For the Jets, it's probably the money that Green Bay would have to pay if they can't get them off their roster by September. For the Packers, though, it's a much different thing in my eyes. And you tell me what you think. For the Packers, Brian Gutenkunst is convinced that the Jets will ultimately make this deal because they can't draft another quarterback and fail. Because if they do, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are G-O-N-E gone. They need a veteran quarterback to save their jobs. They don't get Rodgers. They have another middling season. They're suddenly on the hot seat because that's year three with Sala and Douglas and no playoffs. That's a problem. Is that enough for Gutenkus to be hanging his hat on? He's, they need a veteran. They can't draft another one and miss, or they're definitely gone. Sure. I get that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's... There, is well, that yeah, the thing the, he's hanging his hat on? I don't think... I think Gutenkunst is just sitting there going, listen... You want him or not? <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer already. Yeah. We're not letting him go unless we get something for him. He's a two... Uh, one year... Two years ago, he was back-to-back MVP. You're not getting him for less than what we're calling for. Uh, I don't know. And I'll say this, too. The Jets should be incentivized. They, they hired Nate Hackett, his buddy offensive coordinator. I, I just – both these clubs have a lot of huge reasons to make this deal. But the Packers are under no deadline except for the September deadline. Mm-hmm. That's and I'll say this too, brilliance by the the Packers in formulating this contract the way they did. Because they could foresee how this was gonna work at the end when they could they'd wait all the way through the offseason and not have to give them a dime. Yeah. It's not That's, like they have a roster bonus March twentieth. Right. It's brilliant. It's really brilliant. And and Aaron took the money because it was all guaranteed. He doesn't care, you know, how tough it is for what other what other unnamed next team he's going to play for. How, why does he care about that? They're going to pay him anyway. It's all guaranteed. Or yeah. the Packers are going to pay him. 
So it was brilliantly devised by the Packers to have this way far out date where the they can push this trade all the way back into the season or virtually. I'm just wondering what each side is hanging their hat on. Like, pfft, we don't have to offer anything else because they're going to blink. Yeah, Andrew and now Brand- you got a staring contest. Yeah, Andrew Brand, a guy, friend of the show, who he, he said, you know, neither one of these teams, this is not unusual. There's neither one of these teams are under any pressure to make this happen. The G- Green Bay certainly can wait until September. That's the only hard date that's out there. The Jets can wait as long as it, it takes. And, and basically, too, with your theory about the uh, jobs being on the line, the longer it takes to consummate the deal, the more leeway they have in the way it begins. If it slow start, well, they couldn't make the trade until September, that it's not their fault, whatever, whatever, whatever. But certainly, this, this is going to be made at the 11th hour question is when is the 11th <laughs> when is the 11th it's hour? not it might not be until might not be the draft until people think that's the first potential deadline yeah it's gonna be till august no or september though. august or september is when it's gonna happen yeah i mean i remember in 2011 when they had the lockout people were like oh well when's something gonna happen people are like a week before training camp right and that's what and there's a deadline uh our good friend Kim Jones, formerly of NFL Network, now working for Newsday down on Long Island, is reporting that Saquon Barkley will not be signing his franchise tag with the Giants, which obviously means he is not eligible to participate when the Giants offseason program begins next week. The Bills offseason program begins next week as well. You have no contract. You cannot participate. So if he doesn't sign it, he doesn't have a contract. So... What that means going forward, have to wait and see. But he could he could not sign that. I think all the way up to middle of July. I want to say, um, or maybe I'm thinking of a person that signs. They can negotiate a long term contract until July 15th. He can just not sign it. But I do think there's a deadline to sign or not sign, and then. He's yeah. not going to not play. He's got to. He's got to enhance his value for free agency next year. Conceivably. Yeah, I mean, if he if he doesn't play, he's leaving ten million bucks on the table. We saw. Saw how that worked for Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Bell. Le'Veon Bell did that. And how he, it's worked for it's, Lamar? It's fourteen not million good. dollars. He's never going to get back. Um, Lamar, same kind of thing. Now Lamar is also under the franchise ten, tenure, um, non-exclusive. Um. If he doesn't play this year, he'll never get the $33 million back. Mm-hmm. Never. And that's an issue. And that's, and that's the hammer that NFL front offices hold because they're here forever. You as a player are not. As a matter of fact, you're on a very short timeline. Right. And some young players don't realize that maybe in their third or fourth season – but they do by their fifth or sixth. They're like, man, oh, man, I'm halfway through already. Yeah. If I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I can, can if I'm lucky, can keep going. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of franchise tags out there. I think only one has been signed. And I can't. Now I'm gonna have to go. I gotta go look. Most of the franchise tenders that have been 
given to players, the designations, have not been signed. Yeah. Most of them have not. Lamar hasn't signed his. As we just heard, Saquon, Saquon hasn't signed his. There's a couple of others out there. Um, it's, you know, so all these – all these guys, they're waiting there because one of the reasons is you don't have to go through the OTAs and all the offseason stuff if you don't want to. I think Tony Pollard's the only guy that signed his. That's right. The he running just back signed from it the other day. Tony Pollard is the only but, guy that signed one of, of the like six guys or seven guys. That Josh are, Jacobs, Evan Ingram, Deron Payne, Washington Commanders. Nobody signed him except for Pollard. Um, some other around the NFL news to discuss. The Devin White trade request that we mentioned on the air yesterday as it was first breaking the bucks have no intention of trading devin white um they you know his former fifth pick in the draft in 2019 and his situation is similar to what we saw with tremaine edmonds at this time last year that the bills had picked up his fifth year option so he played under the fifth year option and an extension could not be brokered and then the free agent market was there, and Tremaine, which is his right, decided to maximize his value in the market. He did. He got $17 million a year. He was really the only linebacker that got gigantic money, uh, not counting Roquan Smith, who signed an extension with Baltimore after he was traded from Chicago before the offseason even began. Got $20 million a year. But aside from those two guys, nobody made gigantic money at the linebacker position and now Devin White's like, well, Tremaine Edmonds got paid. But where's my extension? Right. And I don't know that the Bucks value the linebacker position in that way. So he's a, he's on a fifth year option, and he's kind of stuck. Yeah. And they're going to probably just let him ride it out this year, and then you know go get your value in free agency. Best of luck to you. That's probably how the Bucks are going to play it. So. Devin White as a trade option for other teams that need a middle linebacker, including the Bills, does not look to be there. And I don't know that this would have made sense for the Bills anyway because you're right back in the same situation you were in last year with Tremaine. You got a guy on the last year of his contract, fifth-year option. He wants an extension. You can't afford what that's going to cost, nor do you maybe value the position at that rate anyway. And so now you're just going to have guy for another year. I mean, he's a good player, but you might be better off getting a young guy that you know you're going to have for four years just for continuity's sake on your defense. So yeah, I, I think yes. he ultimately stays there and plays out the year and whatever. Yeah, I, I, I get that going back to where you were. I'm going back to where you were just a year ago with Tremaine, but I, that doesn't – I've told you that. That doesn't bother That doesn't bother me. There's always going to be good players out there. Um, in free agency, the one thing you always forget is that everybody else is going to lose guys too. And go find one. So you've got the entire draft and the free agent market to go out and find another replacement for a guy. And particularly for a guy, if, you, if it's like running back, middle linebacker, or name any other position you want, you can get, it, you can get a guy to do it cheaper. And if you don't prioritize the position anyway, all the better. So I'm, I don't have a problem doing that. But yeah, Devin, they're not going to trade Devin White anyway. And plus, you don't. I mean, they may not like the way he looks on film either. I mean, he's been said he's like not that instinctive. And he's yeah. you know he's number five overall pick. He's a super athlete. 
I mean, his right. athleticism is the main reason he makes the plays that he does. He is a freak athlete. Right. But he's, you know. Yeah. He's not all pro. Yeah. I think he's made the Pro Bowl a couple of times, but not all pro. You are correct. Uh, quickly down the list of pre-draft visits, which are hot and heavy here with a couple of weeks before the draft. Kentucky QB Will Levis visiting the Bucks today has the Falcons tomorrow. How's Desmond Ritter feeling about <laughs> being the starting being named the starting quarterback for Atlanta? And they got Will Levis on a pre-draft visit, and you know that your team has the eighth <laughs> eighth pick in round one. Have fun with that. Um, Penn State corner Joey Porter Jr. He's visiting the Panthers. Mississippi State corner Emmanuel Forbes. He met with the Patriots and is now going to meet with the Bengals. So they're both of those teams in the AFC looking to improve their secondaries. Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter visiting with the Raiders today, who hold the seventh pick. So that's interesting. Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims considered a day two pick, meeting with the Giants today. And then TCU running back Kendra Miller, who was instrumental, Steve, in TCU's run to the national title game. He's met with the Chargers and the Rams, and now he reportedly has top 30 visits this week with the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Bills. <laughs> Running back Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller, let's go. Who, you know, is probably, I don't even think he's in your top 100 necessarily. So you're talking about an early day three guy, perhaps. Right. I mean, maybe somebody likes him at the end of day two. I don't know. Um, but in all likelihood, a day three guy. Nice player, though. Um, was really helpful to that TCU offense. Got nicked up at the end of the year, if I remember right. I don't even know if he played. I might be mixing him up with the other running back for TCU, but there was one of their top two backs was injured and did not play in the title game. Uh, it was unfortunate. Bad ankle injury. Right. But that is Around the NFL, presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Topic of discussion for you today. The Bills draft class is assembled. The draft has happened. It's done. Here's your 2023 draft class. What position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class? You tell us at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Number to get on board. Open lines for you there. Or hit us up at the tweet sheet at one bills live what position has to be on that 2023 draft class list you tell us next here on one bills live all right back here on a wednesday chris brown steve tasker with you what position can't be absent from buffalo's 2023 draft class when it is fully assembled and finished on saturday evening day three of the draft we got to get there man i'm going to I'm going to pop. I'm like a kernel of popcorn in the microwave right now. I'm just ready to go for this draft. But let's go to the phones and see what you think at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. The toll-free number to get on board. Still have a couple of open lines for you. But leading us off today is Jeff in NYC. What do you got for us, Jeff? Hey, guys. It's great to hear from you. It's my first time calling. I love the show. Oh, Listen all the time. It. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I got to say the position for me has got to be the middle linebacker. 
I, I have no issue with selecting either Campbell or the guy from Arkansas at late first round, whether he's your first round grade or not. And in coalition with it, I'm every year we get to the end of the draft, we get to start a training camp. We start talking about the sixth, seventh round guys who there's no hole to make the 53. So I'm wondering how much stock you would put into using some of your late round capital to solidify the couple of big holes that we have either middle linebacker, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive tackle, which I think are the four key positions to bolster and use some of that capital because those guys are going to be practice squad. And are they really going to, I went through the roster yesterday and just could not outside of wide receiver, possibly linebacker, couldn't see a sixth or seventh round guy crack into 53 with what we asked. Yeah. Yeah. That's a valid, it's a valid point, Jeff. And thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling and listening. Um, they don't have a seven this year. That's number one. So they only have six picks that they're bringing to the table in the first place. That's number one. Number two, yeah, it's great to talk about giving up a six or a five, but they don't help you tremendously in terms of the value that they hold. So if you're moving up two or three spots, yeah, they could help you. But giving somebody 205 in round six, it's not moving the needle much. I, I, I get the premise because we witnessed it even two years ago. Think about this. The Bills had three six-round picks and a seventh a couple of years ago, and they drafted Rashad Wild Goose, Tyler Bass, um, Jack Anderson, the offensive lineman. They put Wild Goose and Anderson on the practice squad. They both get poached. They get poached off and put on 53-man rosters elsewhere. Philadelphia and Washington, I want to say initially, or maybe the Jets uh, for Wild Goose. But when you're Brandon Bean, you're like, well, son of a gun. What's the point of having those if I can't even hold on to them? And this roster is advanced, to Jeff's point, to a point where, yeah, that would make sense. I With just six picks, though, and hard against the cap, you might keep them to hold on to cheap labor that you hope's good enough to make the roster. Right. And you could at least package, the practice squad. You, you got a four and a five, but they're only seven picks apart. It's 130, 137. 137 came from the Arizona Cardinals. So you could make an argument to, to those could both be considered, you know, fourth rounders or a fourth and a, a fourth and a fifth that close together. Okay. Maybe package them up and, and flip a couple of spots. I get what you're saying about the roster being tough to make. They're, they were lost three games in the regular season last year by a total of eight points, and they're going to be really good this year. The roster's going to be hard to make, particularly given the offensive line moves they've made and the ones you anticipate them moving at the top of the draft, the, the names you, the positions you could get at the top of the draft. It's going to be hard for somebody to come in and, and make the roster. Yeah. Um, the positions that I think we can call – I don't think we'd call them thin – but could use some reinforcements. Defensive tackle because of the expiring contract situation. Right. Then you can make an argument for corner because behind Tredavious, Taron, and Kair might be Benford. Saran Neal is a special teamer that can play corner. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you could use reinforcements there. Tight end, you have two. Could use help there. Offensive line, you never have enough, to Steve's point, as he says it all the time. Mm. And then safety. 
I mean, there are positions where you could say, well, we could use somebody there, you know, at yeah. least in the pipeline. You know, maybe not front you've line got three, starter. You've got three quality safeties, and then you've got the guys that have been here before. Cam Lewis. Cam Lewis and, and De- DeMar, if, if he so desires. So, and you know, with the uh, – Benford and what he's doing. And, yeah, and if they're going to put Benford safety. back there. So, safety is a little bit further down the list. But, yeah, I mean, there's always – you always need good player. Good players make you better. There will be some players available out there as well. There still are some players available out there in free agency, and they're waiting for the right move or the right spot. The thing you always get into with the draft, and I keep going back to it time and time again, you can get guys that, that turn into really good players at any point in the draft, at any point. Yeah. The guys you get from the free agent market, you know those guys. There, you've seen them play in the NFL or not play in the NFL when you in a team that you think they should be playing for. You've seen them play in systems that are that they should be able to play in. If they can't play, they can't play. Right. Um, but the draft, there's always that unknown. Like maybe you get a guy that all of a sudden he well, flourishes. Yeah. That's a possibility. It's a projection, but it's an unknown projection where you would. Logic would tell you that you know a little bit more about a guy that's played in the league that's still a free agent after the draft and probably costs less. So even though you're tight against the cap, maybe you can still fit a guy on a one-year deal who's willing to take the veteran minimum just to maximize his value for next year by getting on the field this year in some capacity. Let's go back to the phones, though, and see what you think. What position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class when all is said and done after night three? To Frank in Woodstock we go. What do you got, Frank? How you doing, Chris? Steve? You're my Hall of Famer, Steve. You always will be. Hell of a ball player. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, I had a couple of comments real quick. My direct TV, they're taking my NFL ticket away. Uh, I'm sure you guys are aware it's going to YouTube or something. My question is, though, do you guys know if they're going to keep your show on direct TV, because I, I get your show here, the one Bill's drives, thank God. Other than that, I wouldn't hear nothing about Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> second thing is, yeah, I'm serious. I get it. Uh, I live, Listen, I live in a great town, <clears throat> but all it is is pot and hippies. Oh, very few football fans. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my, second, my second thing is, I think wide receiver. You get Josh... That uh, Hopkins, or another great wide receiver, he'll be back to the old Josh, 30, 40 points a game. That's what his game is. That's what he does. That's what they were That's what they were born to do. Uh, and I thought Singletary did a pretty good job. Too bad he did it towards the end of the season. But the more he got the ball, the better he did. Uh, and I guess that's it. And I love your guys' show. Uh, hopefully... I get to keep it, uh, and now i got to figure out how I'm going to do the YouTube thing so I can watch the Buffalo Bills. Otherwise, all I see is Jets and Giants. Yeah. And that ain't happening. All right. All right. Thanks, well, Frank. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, you appreciate guys it, have Frank. a great week, and again, I love your show. Take care, guys. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, uh, fortunately, we have nothing to do with the uh, NFL ticket. It's not so much our show. It's it's the MSG station that you well, right, and it's that. available on DirecTV and will continue to be so as far as we understand. So you should be good to go, Frank, in Woodstock. Um, the Game Pass is different. Right. Um, which I think there is a video element to that. Can you watch live, though? I don't. Uh, maybe not the Game Pass, you have to pay but the, a premium, uh, the think, NFL though. Sunday ticket. The Sunday ticket. It's I mean, going you, to YouTube. You're going to have to flip it over, probably get to YouTube. And, that, and that's hard for people who don't use Internet television. Um, 
Yeah, you'd be watching on a laptop. You'd be watching if on you a don't laptop. have it hooked so, up to a TV. Yeah, that there is that, but it's still going to be you know a couple hundred bucks a year for it's every like every single game. Yes, for every single game. Three forty nine on YouTube was the number I saw. Three hundred forty nine bucks. Um, receiver, yes, I think a lot of people, a lot of fans, are of the opinion that the Bills cannot come out of this draft without a receiver among the draft class. I'm wondering how long <laughs> fans are willing to wait for that receiver to get picked. Because if we get to the latter stages of day two and the receiver has not been taken yet, I think, well, no, I, I, I would hope not. But I think some fans will be getting a little, the, the anxiety got, level will be going up. Right. They got picked 27, 59, 91, 91, 91, 130, 137, and 201. 205. 205, I'm sorry, 205. And uh, so it's 27, 59, 91, 130, 137, and 205. We ticked down to 91, Steve, and the receiver hasn't been taken yet. Yeah, there'll be – People are going to be gripping a little bit. Yeah, there'll be – yeah. I'll be all right. Sorry. They're going to – they're not going to – one thing about it, they are not going to pick a guy because Bills fans are clamoring for no, the No, they won't. They're going to do it because this he stands out on their board. Yeah, uh, and the value the, He's the best guy left, So especially down there. The further down the board you go, the less, the less athletic and, and smaller they are. They, you know, you need big athletic guys yeah. at the top of the draft. That's the way because they measure them, and you can't hide those. Uh, but then in the middle of the draft and the bottom of the draft, you need guys who have something special inside of them more so than the measurables. Yeah, that's what they look for. So because those guys always improve. You know, you get a guy, and that's what the Bills have proven. Those guys at the middle and the bottom of the draft, the evaluation goes is more skewed to the what's he got in here side of it rather than what we can measure. They're hard in their head because you get a guy who tries harder, works harder, is more committed, smarter, whatever, whatever, whatever. Those guys always improve. Those guys are always going to get better and better and better and better, particularly when you get them in your system and your techniques and all that. They work hard at getting it right. Where sometimes, and we've all seen it, the guys who have all the measurables who've never had to do that, think I'm, I'm still okay I'm, I'm gonna be fine right <laughs> well you get a guy and all of a sudden you get a guy who is big enough and fast enough and strong enough but he's just got something well, he's missing he was playing at a podunk you off in the nether nether regions you know nobody knows where he was from nobody parts found unknown him. parts unknown <laughs> he shows up and he's he's like well he's big and strong look at him yeah okay but where, who is he again where'd he play and then he comes in and all of a sudden he starts to flourish because yeah. he's that kind of guy and uh, you find a guy like a Matt Milano and a Taron Johnson and, a, you know, Levi Wallace is an undrafted rookie free agent. Or even a Tyler Bass. A Tyler Bass. Those kind of players turn up at the middle of the bottom of the draft because there are too many question marks about them. And when you get those guys that have a ton of questions about them, when they start ticking off those questions and going, yeah, I got that one, yes, yes, yeah, you, get, you start answering those questions and they're all yes – you got a really good player. Yeah. But he didn't know it when you drafted him. All the projection. 
We got to take a break here, but Alex in Pittsburgh, stay right where you are. You will lead us off in the next segment as we are asking you what position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class. Open lines for you at 803-0550. It's wide open for your phone calls next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Back to your phone calls here on One Bills Live. What position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class? As promised, we lead off with Alex in Pittsburgh. What do you got for us, Alex? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I have two, I have two, if I may. The first one is very obvious to me. It's, it's the middle linebacker. And um, if you notice, when Edmonds was off the field, it was very noticeable. And I don't have much faith in the two guys backing him up. And, I, and obviously, I believe that B knows this. And uh, my second one, you can go with, like, receiver or any other position. My second one is defensive tackle just because we have guys on expiring contracts, one-year deals. And um, I know McDermott likes to rotate his guys in and out. But that's another one I think is very important for the Bills to uh, get younger at, too. And I'll hang up and listen to what you guys have to say. Thanks again for taking my call. Yeah, yeah. sure. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, he's you're right. I mean, you can't ha- – and I, I know I'm – I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. It doesn't really scare me having guys, a bunch of guys at one position on expiring contracts, but uh, you can't ignore it either. So Chris is right. He knows four of the four defensive tackles on the Bills roster right now, this is the last year or the only year of their contract. This time next year, none of these guys haven't hit. There's a chance that none of them are on the roster because they're all free agents. And they're all going to be out. Um, so you got you're gonna have no defensive tackles, so you can't ignore it. I'm not really ups, you know, I'm not worried about it, but I get it. You can't ignore it either. So uh, I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if they get a guy. My only problem with it is to get a guy that can really play, despite what I said in the last segment, more so than maybe any other position. In football, a defensive tackle or nose guard has to have some measurables. One is he's got to tip the scales. Those guys don't just fall off trees. It's hard to find a guy with a body and a physique built for interior defensive line play in the National Football League. So if you're going to get one of those guys, my thought is you need to go high in the draft to get a good one. And it's not considered a great defensive tackle right. class there right. is an alpha male in Jalen Carter and there's another pretty darn good one in Brian Brzee but the depth of the class is not there right uh at least that's the general consensus on the position so neither one of those guys will be available at 27 um if they if he is if they are one of them is it's going to be Brzee um but uh, that's my take on it. I don't have yeah. a problem taking a defensive tackle, but I think if you're going to get one who can actually play, I think you, you've got to go. You got to go high. Yeah, the interesting Even thing, despite Steve, what I said last segment about you know the character and the right, you know the guy's ability to improve. The interesting thing last season was the Bills kept five defensive ends, four defensive tackles on the active fifty-three, and then obviously they had guys on the practice squad: Ilianku, Brandon sure. Bryant, people like that. If you draft one this year, 
somewhere on day two, even early day three, you're probably keeping five defensive tackles and maybe only four defensive ends. On the roster, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Because you're not going to draft a kid in the fourth round and put him on the practice squad. You'll get poached it. unless, yeah, well, I mean, you got four guys you can protect every week, but you know what yeah, I'm saying? I get it. It's it would, a, it would tip the scales. Out. And I, I totally get that. Um, I mean, it's not like you won't have bodies to line up, but, yeah, certainly if you're going to put them on the 53 and, and make sure they're there, one of your defensive ends is going to have to sit down or be deactive. Or moved. Or moved. So you've got – that puts – Because you just got Shaq Vaughn, Lawson. you got Vaughn, you signed Shaq, Rousseau, Basham, Epinesa. That's five mm-hmm. pretty, pro- pretty prominent names. Yep. Um, it makes it makes it a juggling act. It does. Yes. If they take a defensive tackle. Now you could do something between now and then to mitigate that, but you know, figure it out when it all comes out in the wash. You may go through all training camp. Last week of training camp, somebody gets hurt. You, they're out for the year, and now now your surplus has become and no longer a problem. It's possible too that when you get when it shakes out, you've got a positional need. You could go ten, five DTs, five defensive ends, but that's only because you've got. You're going to carry like five linebackers. Yeah, four linebackers or two tight ends, or yeah. you know, you're going to have two tight ends. You got to rob from another position right. to make it work. Um, you know, or like three safeties, that kind of thing. So um, there's that possibility where you could squeeze another roster spot into those spot to those places. But <laughs> given what happened last year with injuries, you're going to you're going to be juggling, you know. 22 objects trying to keep it in the air with the roster spots. So, yeah, we'll see. We have to take a break here, but Joe in Nashville, Mike and Ken Moore, you guys are going to start us off in the second hour. Wide open phone calls for you. What position cannot be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class? You tell us at 803-0550. Open line for you there. 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We'll catch you on the other side here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two here on a hump day edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Getting right back to the phones. As we are discussing today, the 2023 Bills draft class is assembled. What position cannot be absent from it? We go right back to the phones to kick off hour number two with Joe in Nashville. What do you got for us, Joe, in Music City? Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, sorry, I don't have anything to contribute to today's topic, but the reason why I called was Mr. Brown and Mr. Tasker. I've been listening for years now. First time caller, but I've been listening for years. I really enjoy listening to you guys almost every single day. Mr. Brown, uh, I wish there was some kind of way I can listen to your broadcast when you're uh, doing the games because you get me so hyped and so pumped. <laughs> I've never played any lick of football, but I just want to go grab the first helmet and throw it on. 
Uh, I really the excitement and energy that you bring. And no offense to Mr. Murphy. Hope he's recovering. Uh, uh, well wishes and prayers to him and his family. But uh, yeah, I, I just enjoy listening to you. You 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 really get me hyped. And Mr. Tasker, you are indeed a national treasure. Uh, I, 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 for uh, everything that you have done for uh, the New York, Western New York, for the Buffalo Bills, for that community, thank you very much. There are two things I wish I could get, but I doubt it would happen. I would love to hear some kind of podcast between you and the five presidents because I know that's just comedy gold right there. And then also, if they can, you guys can do some kind of new segment called Tasker Tidbits or something like that because you have me cracking up almost every single day. I've laughed <laughs> more at some of the things, some of the weird, wild, crazy things that you said than some of the comedy clubs I've gone to. So, gentlemen, keep up the good work. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, go Bills. Well, thanks, wow, Joe. Yeah, the, Joe. The check like, is in the mail. Thanks man. for pumping our tires. Yeah, My over, God, yeah, that was really over, nice. Overwhelming there. That's very nice. Yeah, Appreciate thanks it. for the call. Um, Appreciate it, Joe, and thanks for listening. Um, wow. Talk about it. I mean, yeah. you can get us on a I podcast. I got to have Joe on like uh, my yeah. voicemail every Monday morning. Get me right. ready for the week. Yeah, he, he can get us on a podcast, though. Bill's by the numbers you can get us on. So we, we do have a podcast. I guess that's what he was talking about. Yeah, well, he was saying get it with the five presidents. That would be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's. Company gold, he called you could, it. Yeah, if you could do that. Nobody can afford to do that. Let me put it that way. Those well, guys, yeah, they would, don't show I, up for nothing. That That is not 100% not like us, right? correct. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little too steep yeah, that, on the budget. Yeah, we would never be able to financially make that work. Um, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. Steve is he is a card, man. He comes up with some stuff, and I'm like, did that just come out of his mouth? Yeah. Like, people still talk to us locally here about when Steve described Aaron Rodgers as a wild donkey. They think it's the funniest thing that they've ever heard in terms of describing a human. Yeah. Um, but it is remarkably <laughs> accurate. It's, you know it's right. Or we call him Gandalf. Gandalf. Gandalf that's right. That's the other one. <laughs> He's Gandalf. <laughs> He's a weird. No, he does. He has nobody in his life. He just shows up places. He definitely has a trying. He's, yeah. he's got one of those Merlin hats. Exactly. He definitely has one in his he house. He's Gandalf. He is Gandalf. He's the he's wizard. Got, he's got some powers, no question about it. But nobody understands him. Oh my yeah. god. So that, yes. Well, I appreciate it though. That's nice, Joe. Yeah, that was very nice of very you, Joe. Nice. We appreciate the bouquets you were throwing at us. That's very nice, and we thank you for your listenership. Um, and hopefully we've got some uh, some good wisecracks to keep you laughing. So let's move along from uh, him to Mike in Kenmore next. What do you got for us, Mike? Fellas, first-time caller, long-time listener. You guys are wonderful. It's a tough call to beat that last one, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, offensive line. Uh, okay. You know, you need to protect your franchise. I understand that this draft is very deep on the offensive line, um, I'm going to say offensive line, but real quick, just wanted to give a shout out. I got two friends that listen to you guys all the time. They're in North Carolina, Bove and Patsy. Listen to you guys. Love you. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for the show. Great job, fellas. Before you, before you run, Mike, let me ask you, when you say offensive line, are you leaning tackle or guard there or center? Where, I'm going to you... lean right tackle, to be honest with okay. you. You know, uh, I feel like, you know, Dawkins has solidified that left side. I I think that right side is a little shaky, and uh, 
you know, there's a lot of a lot of good prospects. You know, where I'm looking right now is I'm looking at somebody like Darnell Wright, uh, you know, somebody like that, maybe Matthew Bergeron in the second round, somebody yep. like that. But I feel like, uh, you know, if you want to maybe jump up a little bit and grab one of these guys, it might be a good idea to protect that franchise. Yeah. All right. Good right. call, Mike. Thanks for it. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, I mean – I would lean tackle too because they, they've solidified the guard position in free agency, Steve, with David Edwards, you know, and Connor McGovern. They bring Along Butker back for depth. Yeah, Butker. So, and you have Bates under contract. So you, you're kind of solidified the guard spot. And he brought in some competition as well. So, And I know you re signed David yeah. Questenberry, you know, but he's a little longer in the tooth now. You, you could probably use some youth in the pipeline there. I, I agree, totally agree with it. Um, and I've said it before, too. Not, I don't want to disparage one position over another. But if you got a tackle, it's easier for a tackle to move down inside and play guard than it is for a guard to move out and play tackle. Right. If you're big enough and, and long enough and have the length to play tackle, it's even easier to play guard because there's less space to work in down there. So um, not that saying, you know, automatically you can play guard if you're a tackle, but you can always it's easier to convert that direction so i'm i'm with him uh, i've always been you can't go wrong drafting an offensive lineman particularly if you get one that can really play there's you got to have five of them on the field all the time every snap five of them almost half your offensive roster has to be offensive linemen the better those guys are the ripple effect is real as it gets out to the edges of the formation they help everybody the wide receivers have more time to get open. The quarterback stays upright and healthier. The running backs have more space. You know, in crucial downs and short yardage and goal line, they do, they can be dominant. I mean, there's just no – it's just a no-lose situation for me if you go offensive line always as a fallback. Right. And I would say – Even if it's a fallback. Like, if you look at a lot of people's top 100s, you know, that rank these players – as far as offensive line goes, you're looking at about eight offensive tackles and about six guards, five, six guards. So that's 14 players that you can choose from conceivably on the first two days of the draft to help your offensive line. So is it enormously plentiful? No, but there's some quality through there that can be had. You just got to see if the value lines up when the bills are on the clock. It'd be interesting. But I would yeah. lean tackle more than guard because as you, not only because of your point, but because they've already solidified guard in a, in a big way with free agency to this point. And here's the, here's what you got to do. You go down and you say there's 14 offensive linemen, you know, that, that could go high or first round. Oh, first two days. First two days. You got, say there's four quarterbacks. Maybe, and maybe probably five, maybe. okay, five QBs, and then it's really thin at wideout for guys to go that are having first round grades. Maybe say just two or three, right? But wide outs. two and three, they they're going to start populating there. But what I'm saying is, by the time you get down to pick number twenty seven, oh, okay, the thing that's going to give you a chance at one of those offensive linemen is the fact that there's a bunch of edge rushers that are pretty good, uh, and there's fourteen offensive linemen before you get down to where you, there's you know maybe a drop off there all the quarterbacks. Um, so you've got a chance at getting one of those offensive linemen that are pretty good and maybe have some value at pick 27, yeah. where you're not getting a guy at 27 that you could have gotten if you were picking 38th. 
right? I, just, I know. And I know Kendall Wright's your guy, and I like him too, and I'd be over the moon if they could get him. Now everybody's on my train. I just worry about all the hype. Like the hype on him is going through the roof now. Thank you. I started that trend. Oh, you did? I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. Yeah. Na- you said we were national I'm sure. Show, the, right? I'm sure. Well, that's right. So... <laughs> I'm yeah. sure the 32 personnel officers had nothing to do with ago. it. I was on him two weeks ago. Now, he, he, we have no chance yeah. at 27 now, right? I'm, I'm worried that we don't. Yeah. I'm worried that we maybe don't. We but, do. you know, maybe that prompts another famous, you know, big baller bean move up the board there. Two or three maybe, spots. Maybe and, two or three know, spots. That's all it can move You to. may have to get ahead of Jacksonville at 24 to get him because they need a tackle badly after losing Juwan Taylor, who's a starter for them. Right. Um, let's go back to the phones, though, and we go to Mark in New Jersey as we're asking today what position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class. What do you got, Mark? Uh, low-hanging fruits as a receiver. You can't have, you know, well, he's no longer on the roster. Isaiah McKenzie on Twitter, you know, advocating for, you know, veterans to take his job or just basically giving his job away or going on a live podcast on a stage and kind of whimsically laughing off mistakes like you used to with a certain former bills reporter I'm sure that went over well um a corner corner is another one i mean what was it yeah, by halftime of the miami game which was week three you had dane with his ne- neck nearly taken off by tremaine edmonds the week before benford broke his hand before half you're lining up jamarcus ingram over tyree kill the class is too deep it's too good and I think they have to, I mean, they, I, it would behoove them to not come away with one corner in this draft. Yeah, I like that. I like that take, Mark. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, you're right. I was waiting to see how long it was going to be before somebody did mention corner for, for the two reasons that he brought up. One, it's a deep I, class. You're close to being thin on this roster at corner. You're, you're not too far away, to his point. You have, a cup, you have an injury or two. You know, you got issues. You got, I mean, you have Dane who you re-signed, you know, as a restricted free agent. You got Kyrie, you got Tredavious, and then what are you doing with Benford? We don't know yet. And then Taron, and then Saran Neal, who's our special teamer here, you know, an entrenched special teamer, can fill in in a pinch in corner at corner, but you need another guy. And this class, like, everybody's been raving about the tight end class. The corner class is right there with them. Yeah, it's very Really deep. deep. Like, you could get a good corner early on day three. And I think this thing, too, people t- – I view the cornerback position a little differently when you sign guys at corner position than, you do, than I do at offensive line. And offensive line, say, well, there's a depth piece there. There's a depth piece. At corner, you're always looking for a guy – to plug in up at the top rather than like, ah, oh, he's a depth piece kind of thing. He's, you know, you maybe get a special teams guy there once in a while, but at corner, particularly in the draft, there's always this aura about, hey, <laughs> this guy's got a chance to be to start for us or to be in the mix for us. You're right. Uh, it's different than any other position for that reason is that you draft a guy at, say, the Bills take a guy at 27, like this, like a Deontay Banks from Maryland or somebody. And it's like all of a sudden it's like, wow, okay, here we go. You know, because you get a guy like Christian Benford who comes in and all of a sudden the system fits him. He's got these measurables. He's a big dude. It's like, wow, this guy can play. There's always that thought at the cornerback where it's awesome because you can plug a guy in at the top of the rotation at that spot rather than just plugging a guy in and say, well, he may come in on a, some third downs or some special, you know, or he's depth or he's going to play cover kicks or something. 
there's there isn't that thought when you talk start talking about corners, particularly in this draft. Right. And I'm just looking, um, and a lot of times I reference Dane Brugler's draft guide, which is maybe one of the more comprehensive yeah. ones out there. And he's got 18 corners with grades in the first four rounds. 12 of the 18 are six feet or taller. Yeah. Yeah, see, we, McDermott loves that. They love length. They love length at their corner spot. Um, That's why they got Elam. Well, right. And Benford, too. So, I mean, it is a deep class. I mean, even if you go down to the sixth round, you got another 10 guys that could go. And um, I, it's a deep, deep group. Like, you could wait until late day two, even early day three, and you could get a player that might be good enough to be your fourth corner. Like, right. out of the shoot. Right, right, guy, right yeah. out of the wrapper. First guy on the field after an injury or yeah. whatever, rotation. So, that's how good this corner class is. So, you know, it's not a screaming need, maybe like linebacker for the Bills or, you know, adding a weapon at receiver or tight end. But you don't want to come out of this draft class without one. And knowing yeah, you can wait on there, one yeah. and still get a decent one makes right. sense. Right. It just makes sense. That might be your 90. First your pick. 91 pick. Or yeah. even your 130 pick. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not outlandish and to it, think it, that way. You know, and it, I know Christian Benford bent the rules for everybody last year. Because now everybody's thinking, well, you can get a starter. Seventh round. <laughs> the sixth round. Sixth yeah. round. You can get a guy to play right on week one, day one. Let's yeah. go, you know? And that kind of raises the expectations for what that guy's capable of in that spot rather than, you know, two years ago before Christian Benefit's like, ah, well, it's a throwaway. You know, like we had a, we had one of our callers is like, just package the sixes, the fives and sixes, and get move up because right. you can't get a guy to make the team anyway back there. The funny thing about that caller who was our first of the day, Jeff, was he was saying that, he thought they should package some of those picks who may not make the roster anyway and move up on the board to get a guy you really covet. And, right. and then he said, and address those top four needs. It's like, well, hold on a second. We only got six picks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they are going to backfill with a lot of undrafted free agent signings this year because they need bodies for the offseason roster. Like, you're going to see a fat number of undrafteds this yeah. year because they only have six picks right now. Yeah, they'll get some guys after the draft that will have some measurables and uh, have a chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, they, they always, the thought is certainly they have to fill out their roster and get enough guys to go to training camp with and all that. But the thought is they're, they're, they've got their eye on guys who they hope are available after the draft because, you know, the Bills have in this draft six picks. I mean, they're going to have their eyes on 50 guys to call up and say, hey, will you sign with us for training camp? Literally 50. And they'll probably get eight. Well, you're competing with 31 other teams. Right. All at the same time. And they'll want 50 of them. But that's, you know, they just don't have a chance to do that. Let's go to the tweet sheet, which, as you know, is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. What position cannot be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class? Jake says defensive tackle. 
you use four and are any under contract beyond this season? The answer would be no. So, yes, we've covered that ground. Edward on the tweet sheet says, big, nasty, drooling, pancake-making offensive lineman. I think anybody would take an offensive line with a little nasty in him. That's why Steve likes Darnell Wright so much. There is a play on his highlight reel where he basically deposits a defender three yards deep in the end zone. Um, Our MSG viewers are going to get a look at it as we run the highlight reel now. Um, But he absolutely forklifts a guy and throws him into the end zone as his running back calmly follows untouched. Uh, and gets there. This is the play here for our MSG viewers. Just throws a shoulder at him, yeah. and the guy, the first thing he lands on are his shoulder yeah, blades. His... Now, that was a safety, right. in fairness, but still. Yeah, the guy, yeah, he throws the guy into the marching band. So, <laughs> did, <laughs> you love that stuff, and there's been guys here over the last handful of years. Spencer Brown was like this even in his first year. Certainly, John Feliciano, when he was here as a free agent before he went to the, you know, we lost him to the Giants last year. You need those, and I've told Brownie this a lot, you need a handful of guys on your team that want to be in the middle of it all the time. They want to be they want to be the guy that's the middle getting, of conflict. Yes, they want to be the guy that the other team's shoving out of anger because they hate every him. play. They <laughs> yes, they love it. Um, you need a bunch of those guys so that they can take the focus off guys who are concentrating on the nuts and bolts of the offense. You know, you need you need some of those guys. Uh, this guy Darnell Wright has a little bit of that in him, or at least he appears to. From right here, right now on the tweet sheet, R.B. Bijan. There is a fascination with Bijan Robinson, Steve, and it goes beyond the draft Knicks who were mocking him to the Bills at 27 in the early going. There, there is a legion, eh, maybe that's a strong word, there is a smattering of Bills fans that are equally enamored with Bijan Robinson. So I get it. He's a fantastic talent. But there are, right. to me, there are more pressing positional needs for this football team than there. Yeah. And I have said this all along, too. If Bijan Robinson gets to 27, you'll be able to knock me over with a feather. There right. is no way that is happening. He is too good a talent, even at a devalued position like running back. He might, uh, yeah. I, I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, I. You know, I hope Washington takes him at 16. Or, you, know. <laughs> you don't want him as an option. I, I don't want him as an option because, you you know, then you're going to get – then you and I – and it's selfish that I say You're that worried about phone calls. Yes, we'll get phone calls. <laughs> Steve doesn't care about how the roster is impacted. My dad will call. <laughs> <laughs> you're my, more concerned about who's going to be calling us my dad's in the aftermath. I love how selfish you are right now. I, I, it is. <laughs> I, I admit it. That's admit outstanding. It. Oh, my God. You're killing me. Uh, that's great. Yeah, you don't want to call. And I, yeah, exactly. So, I, he's a, I think he's a really good player. He's a really good player. He's, gonna, he's got a chance of being one of those running backs that gets taken in the first round because of his talent. Uh, and a team that's going to show up with a need, and like you said, it or a team without a need—it's a luxury pick, like Philly. I think. Well, it's not a luxury pick. They do have a hole there, but they have two right. first-round picks. I think is the point that you're making. Yeah. So they, they pick at ten and thirty. Right. Um, so all of that stuff is on the table, um, and you know, as quirky as it's been over the last few years, you could see the New England Patriots doing that. Well, we had you know, uh, we had our 
a guest on earlier this week, Mr. Baumgartner, who covers the Lions, and he was mocking Bijan to them at 18 with their yeah. second first-round pick. Think about this, too. The Chargers, who they can't get a deal done with Eckler, yeah. they could pop him in, right, plug him right in and, and upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, instead of and then move Eckler for a bag of peanuts, like, right? Exactly. Because suddenly he's expendable. So there is a chance that Bijan Robinson is not there at twenty-seven when the Bills pick. Um, I don't think that position, because of the nature of it, that the Bills would ever flip up a couple of spots to get him. There might be some players in this draft that they would do that for. I doubt that running back is a position they would do that for. Mm-hmm. So I think if it's twenty-seven, it's going to be twenty-seven. Um. Yeah, <laughs> how many times you don't want those phone calls? <laughs> he's been mocked to the Bills. Well, in the early going, he was. It's less oh so gosh. now, but yeah. still, yeah, you're right. Tim on the tweet sheet says linebacker needs to be priority number one, followed by O line, receiver, D tackle, defensive back. Unless Jackson Smith and Jigba is on the board at 23, no trade up. Trade back and pick up an extra pick. I, I'm okay with that trade back thing. Yeah, I'm, I don't mind it. I, I, 27th, I mean, it's, you know, you're going to get a good player at 27. The value's hard to gauge for me uh, as a, you know, draft amateur. It's hard to get, like, okay, the 27th, how much better is the 27th pick than the 35th pick, you know? Well, that depends on how many guys you have with grades in right. that area. Well, if you right. have 14... Well, then, okay. Slide back, but and you're sitting pretty. it's not just the 27th to the 35th. It's also the 27th to the 30th pick plus the 50th pick that you get in return as well yes. for moving back. Um, so it's both those players, and it's both those That's shots. That's a good point. Um, it, it's hard to gauge. And, and I like, like I, I've said a million times, you want more pick, as many pick as you get, even if they're fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounders. Those picks – you know, even if you got a ton of those, there's going to be some gems in there, I think. So, I love the fact that you could trade back. I don't love it, but I think it's – I'm okay with it. Yeah, and we've heard a lot of the draft experts say that the meat and potatoes of this draft is round two and three. Right. Like, that's where a lot of the value sits. Because we've heard at a lot of the positions, there isn't consensus top-flight people. You know, receivers, one example of that. Um, defensive tackle has like one alpha male, Jalen Carter, and then, you know, it's Brian Brzee and a bunch of guys after that with varying opinions on all of them. And because of that, you have a better chance of being more right in your assessment on guys day two, early day three. Um, because they fit the value better than some guys that are going to go in the first round that maybe right. in a deeper year probably wouldn't be a first-round yeah. pick. You yeah. know what I mean? You, you're, and it's hard to do because you're measuring this young player that you don't know out of college to a guy that came out two years ago. That's where he was, and that he's a good player. And this guy is not as good as him, but he got – you know. It's hard to, to make that mental jump and value these guys correctly. But when you – when you're as good at it as, as the Bills have been, certainly you can get backed into a corner where, okay, you can't trade out, mm-hmm. nobody, or the, the, you can't trade out for the right price and just end up having to take somebody. You don't want to be in that spot. You don't want to be in that spot where you have to take a guy where you, you thought you might be able to get him in the 40s yeah. and you got to take him in the 20s. 
We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll finish up some of the final thoughts on the tweet sheet, and we're going to have a little role reversal. I'm usually firing off questions at Steve, challenging his brain. Steve's going to throw some at me. We'll tell you how when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, here we are. Final half hour on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Thought we'd have a little bit of a role reversal game here today. Usually I am the one peppering Steve to come up with answers to various questions, whether it's our old Tasker's teammate segment where he's trying to guess what teammate I'm describing or the numbers game that we play every week on our podcast, Bills by the Numbers. Steve is going to uh, ask me questions about Bills players, current, former, coaches as well, I believe, mm-hmm. in a, a game that you can actually pick up at the Bills store. It's called Who's the Man? And it's just a trivia card game. It's really frustrating, too, because Brownie's really good at it. I'm okay. And I'm trying I, – I handpicked – like, I got like – I got five of these here. Probably the hardest ones you can find. Well, I just pulled the them out. And I didn't, I'm I, sure it's right. completely at random. It's not bad, but I didn't want to get like so. Just to lay it out, each card has what four He's clues. He's got five for clues, and they go from five points down to one point. So the sooner you get, get it, the right, more points you right, get. Right, exactly. So here it is. So here's the who's the man? Who's the man, Brownie? Okay. He was an all-state performer as a senior at Ensley High School in Birmingham, Alabama. He rushed for over a thousand yards on 101 carries. In high school, he in high did school. that. Over a thousand yards in Alabama. Is it Joe Cribs? It is not. Selected in the first round of the 87 NFL draft by the Colts. Oh, crumb buns. The Colts. Yeah. In the 87 draft. <laughs> so it's got to be a running back. Who the heck did they take in 87? I have no idea. Next. Appeared in four Super Bowls with the Bills and one with the Falcons. Uh, is that Cornelius Bennett? Yes, it is Cornelius Bennett. Oh, my there gosh. Go. Cornelius Bennett. Biscuit. Hey, threw me off with the running back thing. <clears throat> Here's another one. I should have known 87 draft. I had Brownie. running back on the brain. <laughs> Brownie, who's the man? Attended Glade, Glades Central High School in Florida where he played football, basketball, and ran track. Like every other NFL Glade player did. Central High Glade School. Glade Central High School in Florida. Um, Roscoe Parrish. No. Next one. As a sophomore in college, he caught Jameis Winston's game-winning touchdown pass against Auburn with 13 seconds left. Kelvin Benjamin. That's right. Kelvin Benjamin is correct. Very nice. You're unbelievable. I have no idea. about. Okay, hey, who's the man? Brownie. He scored 57 touchdowns during his nine-year NFL career. 57 touchdowns. touchdowns, Nine-year career. Pete Metzlars. Wrong. In week four, in week four of his rookie season, he rushed for 129 yards, three touchdowns against the Colts, including an electrifying 54-yard game clincher. Week four of his rookie season. Antoine Smith. That is correct. Gosh, that's amazing. All right, Tom's he's been waiting a long time to give me I the know. buzzer. I know he loves. Getting and I love you. Just say I'm enjoying. <laughs> there it. it is. All right, who's Brownie? Who's the man? This man was hired by the Bills to a front office spot. In January of 2006. Uh, that's Marv Levy. God, that's unbelievable you would get that. I was here for it. I know. I should remember that. <laughs> last one. Here we go. This is the last one. 
Oh, I can get another one too, though. Um, <laughs> I might. Oh, I'm putting these in the wrong backwards. Shoot, I had my. All right. Anyway, Brownie, who's the man? A 1970 All-State selection as a quarterback at America's High School in Georgia. Uh, so 1970 in high school, you said? Mm-hmm. So that means he's in the NFL in like the mid-70s. It's not Ferguson because he's from Arkansas. That was a high school in Georgia. No? Oh, high school in Georgia. Is it Joe Ferguson? No, it's not. Oh, you. I baited you. You misled right. me. <laughs> Next, who's the man? Quarterback and a three-year letterman at Florida. Uh, quarterback and a three-year letterman at the University of Florida. So he's there in the 70s. The only person I can think of is Steve Spurrier, but that's not right. Um, he must not have played quarterback in the NFL. That's the thing. So Georgia, Florida. Who's from Florida that plays for the Bills? Um, I don't know. One right, more. Next one. He was hired to his first NFL job by the Broncos in 1985, signing to coach tight ends and special teams. Oh, so he didn't even have an NFL career? To coach Florida tight ends coach. Oh, crumb. I'm blanking. Wow, this is the furthest I've ever seen I'm you blanking. Go. Here we go. He won four consecutive AFC Central titles with the Steelers from 94 to 97, first as a wide receivers coach, then as offensive coordinator. And this guy played for the Bills. 97. Oh, man, I'm struggling. I'm not. I don't even have a thought. As to, like, I don't yeah, even have a guess. This will do it for one point, Brownie. Womp, womp. Former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets took the same role with the Bills in 2010. Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey. Wow. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good wow. one. Wow. That was a very good one. All right, here's another Dang. last one. He last was a quarterback in high school, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, he was a quarterback in Florida, too, for three years. You know, I misheard you because I knew his hometown was Americus, but I heard America High School. I oh. didn't hear Americus, oh. and I actually am, I knew what his hometown. Dang. All right. That stinks. Here we go. Who's the man, Brownie? He caught 10 passes for 255 yards and four touchdowns in his fourth game as a pro. 10 catches for how much? 255. In his fourth game. Is that uh, Jerry Butler? Oh, my gosh. That's correct. That is unbelievable. Where am I? Oh, give me one more. You're mad I got I, that yes, so fast now. <laughs> this, oh, this is an easy. I hate, I hate it when I do so Pick another one. No. Started 163 games over 12 seasons with the Bills. Started 163 games. So we got to think about the guys that played the longest. Is it Andre? Nope. Succeeded. Thank you. Succeeded Terry Bradshaw as starting quarterback at Woodlawn High School, leading the Knights to the Louisiana State Championship in 1968. Well, that would line up with Joe Ferguson, right? That is correct, Joe Ferguson. All right. Last one, Brownie. Last one. Who's the man, Brownie? Who's the man? Born and raised in Pittsburgh, the suburb, the Pittsburgh suburb of Mount Lebanon. Born and raised in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. That would be Mark Kelso. It is not. <sighs> Grandson of longtime Pittsburgh mayor, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Governor David Tom Donahoe. Tom Donahoe. You are correct, sir. That way, Brownie. 
The coaches Jane, and the Jane the coaches Haley. and the GMs is what throws you because you're thinking right. player, 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 and well, it's not. Well, also when the, you get them and they tell you about their high school career and they're playing quarterback when they played linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, like that biscuit. Yeah, like biscuit. That he was, was playing running back. Man, I wouldn't want to see him with a ball coming. Dude, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, let's get back to the tweet sheet for some final thoughts from you on what position can't be absent. From Buffalo's 2023 draft class. And Jess says offensive line, project, protecting Josh, has to be the top priority. That is valid. Jeremy says same thing, too. He says first-round O-lineman. Let's not forget how the season ended. Steve has often said your last game points out your weakness. This was clearly a factor. O-line, O-line, O-line. You know who says that? Brandon does. Brandon. Brandon Breen says that a lot. I don't know if I at the end that. when he does his season wrap up yeah. press conference, he says very often where you're lacking in your last game is very telling as to well, where you should address things going into the next year. The reason for well, particularly if you're in the playoffs, that may be a lot more true than it is just a regular season last game because in the playoffs, you're meeting a team that's a little more well-rounded, a little deeper. It's everybody's playing at a high level, and when you get to the playoffs, so if you're deficient somewhere, it shows up, and that's what happens uh, once in a while. I, you and I both know, we both believe that the end of the Bills season this last year had very little to do with their roster. You know? Well, right, there were some extenuating circumstances, the Demar Hamlin situation, how that affected. The yeah. mental right. preparation and the focus necessary to play, let alone to be up for a game like that, especially they, against a Bengals team where the incident was against a team that the incident happened against right. it three was, weeks earlier. It was, yeah, these guys were flashing back big time. And think about it, the too, mental even wounds the were two fresh. games before that, between the, the Monday night game and, and the playoff game where they, uh, and the Bengals game, there were two games in there. Those two games were against two teams that were hobbled. Uh, the Patriots, who were offensively inept, and they had, and the Bills beat them with two kickoff returns. Yeah. So their offense still didn't show up in that game, even though they scored 25 points. And then, of course, the Miami playoff game where they beat barely beat Skyler Thompson, a third string rookie quarterback. You knew you knew that it just wasn't right here. Yeah. Ever that last month of the season was was really rough in this building and I think it showed up really against a good team in Cincinnati. It you showed up it showed exactly the situation they were in. Break time for us here. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet next when we return here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet where we've been asking you today what position can't be absent from Buffalo's 2023 draft class. Phillip says, easy answer is wide receiver. They surely will add one, even if on day three. What I want is a D lineman, a one tech, or a pass rushing edge. When Vaughn was lost, we had no juice on the edge. I was hoping for a veteran pass rusher in free agency, but Shaq is another edge setter. No DT under contract after this season, and we rotate heavy. So he's DT or edge. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'll go anytime, anywhere on the offensive line, anywhere on the defensive line. I'd be shocked if, if we don't have an, 
maybe one of each at the end of this draft. Edge might meet maybe a, multiple of each. A selection of an each, edge but. rusher early in the draft might be met with some angst from Bills well, fans yeah. just because of the investment in that position high in the draft in recent years. So even if it makes sense to the experts upstairs, well, I get it. But you got to keep swinging. You just, well, I'm not, look, I'm not going to knock it. You got to keep swinging. They're I mean, upstairs, you, and we're down here for a reason. Yeah, you, you got to keep swinging at it. If you, it's like the quarterbacks. But I always pl- applauded John Elway. They had more quarterbacks cycle rinsing through, through yeah. Denver. He knew what he was looking at. So you got to keep trying. Uh, and if the position is that important as we all think edge rusher is, hey man. Get up to the plate and take a swing. Let's go. Bring another one in. In that vein, Travis says, after one of the losses this year, I can't remember which, I was furious, insisting they use all their draft picks on offensive linemen. I haven't forgotten. Well, there you go. (laughs) Travis, I feel your pain. Swing away, Travis. Go, baby. Swing away. I'm okay. Let's go. I'm okay with that. You can't go wrong drafting big guys. That is true. So I think the general consensus here is receiver, linebacker, and then defensive tackle and corner came up as secondary yeah. places. Offensive to lines at the top there, too. Yeah, so. O line, too. Yeah. Correct. All right. Thanks for all your responses and all your phone calls. We'll catch you tomorrow on a Thursday edition of One Bills Live.